Pros in the know start with Lowe's because Lowe's makes it easy to save big on building materials to finish any job. Need to stock up on water heaters? Save 5% on select A.O. Smith water heaters when you buy three or more of the same model. Plus, save 5% on eligible purchases every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. So, pro, now that you know, start with Lowe's. While supplies last, credit offer subject to credit approval can't be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply, U.S. only. <clears throat> Sorry, normally I don't even watch videos, but something about just the, the post, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to check it out. So I click on the video in which she goes into bits and pieces of her story, and I'm not a crier, <laughs> but by the time I got midway through the video, I had tears coming out my eyes where I was like, oh, my goodness, you are so strong. And it's I'm rarely touched like that, especially by, by just a, a video. A movie is a different thing, but a, a video is a whole other. So that's how I found her, and I reached out to her, and she's such a real person and she's out there doing great things and I was so excited when she agreed to be part of Define Yourself series. So with that being said, I will let Miss TT go ahead and finish with her introduction and better yet kind of tell us why her word, her defining word is motivation. So without further ado, Ms. TT, if you are ready to get started, we will have questions at the end if we have time. So you guys just stay on and just listen, take notes. Um, I do recommend if you haven't watched the video or whether you watched it or not, please go back and watch her video, and I promise you will be moved by it. So with that being said, Ms. TT, Thank you for, thank for joining you. us. <laughs> Absolutely, and thank you, Valencia, for having me. And so, first of all, I want to start by saying um, hello to everyone. Um, thank you, guys, whoever is taking a part of the um, the conference call. I really appreciate that. I'm sure she does as well. Um, it, I want to kind of briefly just talk a little bit about my story. I'll give you a little bit of background so that you guys know where I come from. Um, so, um, First of all, let me tell you that um, I um, begin my journey um, being raised by my grandparents, and um, my mother committed suicide when I was um, a baby, seven months old, as a matter of fact, and so I never knew her, never seen a picture of her, didn't know anything about her. Um, I was raised by my grandparents thinking that they were my parents, and so I guess around the age of four or five, I, I found out that they were not, in fact, uh, my grandparents, my, my parents, but they were my grandparents. Um, and I found that way, I found out that way um, through my aunts who were their children. And, you know, kids are cruel and they were, they were kids, you know, and, and um, they would tell us that this isn't really your house and these aren't really your parents and these are our parents. And, you know, and so that I, I kind of found out that way that these were not my real parents. Well, um, to go up a little bit. Um, so I guess I was about five years old. Um, and one night I was, uh, we shared bids because, you know, my grandparents had 10 kids of their own, and then my, my siblings and I lived there, so it was about 15 kids in the house. And so and it was a very small house. It seemed so big when I was little, but it's a very small house, and, and we shared bids. And so I shared bids with my siblings, 
And I woke up one night and um, I found someone standing over the bed uh, molesting uh, my sister, touching her inappropriately. And um, I told, I told the next day, I was, I was really upset about it. Um, and I don't know how I knew it was wrong, but I did know that that was not okay. I felt very, very uncomfortable. I felt very, very bad about it. Um, I remember waking up the next morning telling my grandmother, and, you know, we were raised in a very um, <clears throat> black, let me say that, a very black community, a very predominantly black where, you you know, all the neighbors knew each other. To, that's when the, the, the village came in where it took the village to raise a kid. And so, you know, when I told my grandparents, um, they fussed at him, which was my uncle. They fussed at him about it, but nothing happened. And then we grew up with the, um, I call it the national black anthem, which is what goes on in this house stays in this house. So I grew up already keeping secrets. Um, my sister, um, at that time, um, when I told, he began to take her in the bathroom at night. And so instead of her um, being in the bed with us, she, he would take her in the bathroom, and he did this for about four years, um, every night. Um, and it, it, it was very um, traumatizing to me as a child. Um, and then it, it escalated. So everything that he would do to her, she'd get back in the bed and she'd do to me. And, and that, was, uh, that was my first experience with love. Um, and I say that because I knew exactly um, what she was going through in that bathroom. And so I would allow her um, to do that to me because my concept of, concept of love at that time was, I'll let you do what you want to do to me, and I will just suffer silently. That was my first concept of love, and that was a pattern that, that replayed itself over and over in my life. Um, basically, you know, as long as you're okay, it doesn't matter how I feel. I just want you to be okay. And so uh, fast forward a little bit, uh, when I was 13 years old, um, my um, father, because we were living with the, the, the grandparents were my father's parents, so these were my paternal grandparents. Oh, well, my father um, was in a band. He was a heroin addict. Uh, and I need to tell you as well that my grandparents were very, very religious. My grandfather was a preacher. So, you know, again, it was that, you, you know, church every day almost, uh, all day on Sundays. And, um, but every night somebody got molested in the home. Um, so my father, when I was about 13 years old, my father, um, he, uh, he died in Houston, Texas. Um, he was a, a carpenter by trade and had been accidentally electrocuted. And when we found out, we, had, we really didn't um, spend a lot of time with him. Um, sometimes, you know, he'd call on birthdays sometimes and, you know, maybe some Christmases, but we never really had a, a huge contact with him. But coincidentally, right before he died, we spent the entire summer with him. Um, and that was the longest I'd been with my father. Um, we went to Houston and, and spent the summer with him and his new wife, and, and, and we were under the impression that we would go and live with him when school started. Well, he died before school started, and um, it crushed me. So at that point, I began to run away from home um, and, you know, run out into the neighborhood. And, and I tell people it's so funny because one of the ways I coped with what was going on was with cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, it's, I know it sounds crazy, but cigarettes were like my escape. And so I would look for places in my neighborhood to smoke these cigarettes because, <clears throat> um, you know, again, you know, you know, it wasn't cool to do it at home. And, um, you know, being in a predominantly black neighborhood where everyone knew each other, I'd have to find innovative ways to sneak and smoke. And I ended up at a neighbor's house babysitting her kids. I didn't know that she was an intravenous drug user. Um, and when I was 13 years old, 
Um, but she would let me smoke my cigarettes in her house. So when I was 13, she molested me and um, shot me up with 10 cc's of cocaine. Now, um, I didn't get addicted right away, but what happened was I never forgot the feeling. So as life became more painful at my grandparents' house, I would run away. Um, I would go seek out those dark places, the places that they tell you, they say, don't go down that street. And I never go down that street. When you go and come home from school, you go down this way. But, of course, that I wanted to go down that street, <laughs> the one they didn't want me to go down. And so that, that kind of thing started happening. And so as a teenager, I was in and out of institutions because my, my family, even though we, are, we were all raised in the same household, um, they were good at keeping secrets. I wasn't. I couldn't. I didn't, I didn't feel I couldn't. Uh, except the way life was. And so they kept saying, well, there's something wrong with this one. Everyone else is okay. Everyone else is on board. This one's rebelling. So we'll, we'll put her in an institution. So that was the first part of my life. That's what, that's what happened. And so fast forward a little bit. When I was 17 years old, I caught a, a, a case, a drug charge. Um, at this time, I, I was prostituting. I was doing everything that, that, that you do in, in, in this lifestyle. I was an addict. And so I was doing, uh, I was prostituting. I was, you know, violence. All that stuff was a part of my life. And I caught a, a charge for a guy, of course. And uh, I ended up doing 10 years in prison. Um, I actually went to prison for that case when I was 19. Um, when I got out, I got out two weeks before my 30th birthday. Um, so... Now, I had two kids already, and then I just kept having these kids once I got out. Got out for two years, went back for two more years, and in the process of all this going in and out, I had more kids. Um, and then at the end of the day, um, CPS um, kept taking my children. Every time I would relapse, they would take my kids. And um, so, you know, like I said, that, that was my life. It was a pattern of, of drug addiction, um, mental illness as well. I need to tell you that. Uh, being in and out of this, in those institutions, I was on a lot of psychotropic medications, um, just had a very, very cracked foundation. So anything that I put on top of it crumbled, uh, basically. Um, but, you know, this is a very short version of my, my story. Um, but what ended up happening is, you know, eventually I got married. I, you know, someone finally said, I do. Um, he broke my heart. Um, you know, and, and again, it goes back to the fact that my concept of love, I knew he was a cheater when I married him. I thought that I could change him. I thought marriage would change it. But I, it didn't. But I took it for so long because, again, I'll let you do what you want to do, and I will suffer silently. And that was, my, that was the way I loved, and that was my only expression of love that I knew. Um, so at the, end of the, at the end of my journey, um, I ended up in a physical altercation with a woman, um, and I, I stabbed her. Um, we had a fight. You know, we were on the street, and I stabbed her, and I went to prison um, for, um, for two years. Um, they wanted to give me 15 years aggravated. And um, I stayed in the county for seven months fighting this charge. Um, so eventually, only a technicality, which I call the you know grace and mercy, <laughs> um, saved me. And, and what it was is the first place I stabbed her was in the top of her head. It was listed in the police report and the hospital report as a contusion. So it was almost like she bumped her head on something. It wasn't listed as a stab wound. That is the only the only thing that saved me from doing the 15 years aggravated. Uh, they went all the way down to a two. Um, and I remember saying, God, I don't want to do the two years. At this point, it had been my fifth time losing my children. And CPS told me, if you go to prison, you will not ever see these kids again. If you cannot get out 
and beat this case because I was telling them I, I didn't do it. I, you know, my ring cutter, which you know was obviously a lie, but I was just I was desperate and I was trying to save my children again. I mean, it, it was like this is the fifth time. I, I I can't go. I can't lose my kids and. And they were adamant that I would never see my kids again. And so I was begging. And I remember I was begging, God, God, why? Why do I got to do this too? They won't give me probation. Why? God, you know me. You know I love people. You know my heart. You know I've been up for 10 days. You know I've been raped. And you know all the stuff that had happened to me. Why do I have to be held responsible for this? Why can't you just let them? I, I learned my lesson. I'm begging God. And God said, because you did it. And I'm telling you, as clear as I'm talking to you on the phone right now, God spoke to my heart, and he said, because you did it. In that moment, I looked back over my life, and I got a chance to really evaluate my decisions. And so what I realized is that it doesn't matter what the situation is. What matters is how I handle it. So I began to look at those decisions that I made that always landed me in a, in a, in a worse situation. Uh, which then I'd have to make another desperate decision. Which and it, so each situation overlapped each other because I kept making bad decisions based on the original bad decision. So once I uh, owned my responsibilities for my decisions, like uh, give you an example, when my husband cheated, he kept cheating. He was cheating with my friends, and he, you know it was hurting me. It was it was hurting. Um, but instead of uh, going to counseling or putting him out, even I relapsed. And I relapsed because it was the most familiar thing I knew. I relapsed because it was the thing that I thought would make me skinny again, and, and he'd love me again. It was all that warped thinking. Um, so at the end of the day, I went ahead and I did the two years. And I remember when I went and I said, okay, God, I said I'm going to go down and I'm not going to watch TV. I am not going to play dominoes. I'm not going to sit up and tell war stories. I'm going to read, write, and pray. And while I was in prison, I wrote my first book. It is called The Pink Elephant in the Middle of the Ghetto. It is my memoir. It is the journey of my life. Um, it is a very real book. Um, it's so real, in fact, they would not let it uh, in Texas prisons, so I had to write an institutional version, um, which is the same story, just less graphically depicted. Um, but um, it, is, um, it is my story. And, and I wanted to share my story with people because um, like I said, for years I didn't have a voice. I just suffered silently. And once I found my voice, I have been shouting my story to the rooftops. I will use any platform that I am allowed that God graces me with, like this one, and I will tell my story. And I tell it boldly. I tell it unashamedly. And I tell it non-regrettably. You see, you know, the, the shame came when I was standing on the corner. That's when I was shamed. Today I'm not ashamed. So I tell my story. Um, when Valencia told me that my um, topic would be motivation, it was, it was almost funny because so many people um, had asked me how I have managed to do so much in such a short period of time. So if you have seen the video, I do want you to know that that video is almost three years old. Um, I've been out of prison. I, it hasn't even been three years, March 11th, which is an like 10 days, I will be uh, out of prison for three years. And, uh, and I just want to tell you before I talk about motivation, what I have accomplished in those three years. So I have two publishing houses. I have Remember to Think Pink Publications, which I publish my books under, uh, some of my books under. I publish uh, other memoirs, other people's books. 
So I have two publishing companies. Um, the second one is Paper Chase Publications. I also write urban fiction. So I publish my urban fiction books under it, and I publish others' urban fiction books under it. Um, so in addition to the two public, uh, publishing houses, I have a nonprofit organization, and it's called RememberTheThinkPink.org. What I do as a nonprofit is I advocate for women that are going through the CPS process. So I've been through it multiple times. Um, I have maneuvered through the system. The first couple of times I represented myself and got my children back. Um, and on the third time, the judge told me, he said, you know, Ms. Cleveland, we don't do this. We don't give kids back repeatedly. But it's something about the way you manage to, to, to over-conquer these goals that we just, we just see that you, you, you desire to have your kids, and we're just going to give you another chance. So um, what I do today is I teach other women how to overcome their goals, but this is the hit. Keep your kids. Um, so that, and I'll, I'll get more into that as I talk about motivation. So that's what I do. So I have a nonprofit, two publishing houses. I'm on track to get my bachelor's right now in forensic social work. Um, and um, in addition to all of that, I'm a spoken word artist. Um, I do have a national um, spoken word champ. Uh, title I won at the National Black Book Festival in 2014. Um, I have held the um, 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 spoken word champ uh, here in Colleen uh, four consecutive times until I had my car accident, um, and then I couldn't. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't able to attend the, the slams. But so again, um, I'm a spoken word artist. I'm a motivational and inspirational speaker. Um, I have um, been blessed. Uh, with the opportunity to be able to speak at different places. I've, I've spoke at colleges. I've, I've spoke at um, job fairs. I've done um, different uh, churches. I've done a lot of different uh, speaking opportunities. Um, and um, so in addition to all of that, I am a consistent, effective parent today. Um, God gave me another opportunity to parent my children. I took full advantage of it this time. So for three years, I have been consistent. Um, and I think I'm a little bit more consistent than they would want me to be. Um, at every parent-teacher meeting, I, uh, uh, you know, issue out discipline. Um, I do not spank my kids today, but I do, um, I will take cell phones and anything that I think that is, is of value to you. It will come with me if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Um, so I am, uh, you know, a parent. Uh, I'm also a playwright. Um, I uh, have written, my book is, is written into a play. Um, it's called The Pink Elephant in the Middle of the Ghetto, the stage play. So um, it, uh, has, uh, it premiered in uh, Harker Heights, Texas on December 19th. Um, and we were, it's a traveling play, but before we could get to our next city, because it was right before the holidays, a lot of people did not get to attend, which we did sell. I think it was, a, it was probably around 200, 250 people that came. Um, and they, but it was so many people that did not get to see it that we had to do an encore performance, which we did uh, in January, so uh, January 31st. And so um, our next play we're set to do is May 7th in Austin, Texas. Um, and then after that, we will be in Houston. After that, Dallas, and then uh, hopefully in Atlanta by October. So um, that's the play. Uh, I need to tell you that not only did I write the book and not only did I write the play, I wrote the songs in the play. Um, all the music that, that plays in the play, uh, with the exception of the last song that I sing, uh, was written by me. Um, so um, it, it's just a, a beautiful thing that I am now able to um, 
take all the pain, um, all the uh, self-inflicted abuse and the self-inflicted destruction, um, some my fault, some not, and, and really um, live today. And so that's what I do. So I want to talk a little bit about motivation. And so I went, of course, I, I'm, I'm very um, um, analytical. So I went immediately to Webster. Uh, I wanted to define, um, see what their, their definition of motivation was. Um, of course, it's only to go to motivate. And so it says to give someone a reason for doing something. Um, and, and that was so cool because um, I always tell people that for years I looked for excuses um, and uh, why I couldn't do things. It was always an excuse. Well, you know, I was molested when I was young, and, you know, I was on drugs for a long time, and, you know, this and that. And it was always an excuse why I couldn't. Um, now today I turn those excuses into reasons why I should. <laughs> so um, that's my first bullet point I have here. It says look for reasons why you should and not, not ex- for excuses why you can't. Um, the second bullet point that I have, and, the, and everything that I'm telling you are things that I personally do. I'm not going to tell you to do something that I do not do. So um, <clears throat> hold on. I'm sorry. i got to end this call. Someone's calling me on my phone. Um, okay, I'm not going to answer that. So, oh, one minute. I can do this. Okay, and so the second thing that I do is I start each day with uh, prayer, meditation, and the third element, which a lot of people skip over, which is obedience. Um, so, you know, it's one thing to pray because that's when we, we're talking to the God of our understanding. And it's one thing to meditate because that's when we listen um, to the God of our understanding. But there's a third element in that, and that's obedience. Um, you know, so if I'm listening and if I'm really in a quiet spot and I'm praying and I'm listening, and, and whatever is laid upon my heart to do, that's what I do, um, because I feel that that is God telling me. It's, it's a nudge from the God of my understanding telling me this is what I need for you to do. And, you know, I wish God could come and knock on my door and have a cup of coffee with me and tell me this is what you need to do today, but he doesn't. He speaks to me through, through, through prayer and meditation, but he also speaks through me through people, uh, through signs. You know, I can, I can be riding down the street and see a, a billboard, and it's so glaring, and it, 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 I get the, the gooseies and the hairs on the back of my neck step, stand up, and it's, it's God speaking to me. Um, another thing is um, whenever you feel hopeless or discouraged, write a gratitude list. Um, and I'm, ta- I'm still talking about motivation, reasons why I should, uh, because, you know, a lot of times things just seem hopeless. You know, I, I, I was talking about this the other night. I do live stream videos a lot because ever since I, I, I did the video, I don't know if you, you've seen the video, but the video that uh, Valencia mentioned uh, earlier in the call is a video that I did right when I came home from prison. And um, it was about five or six months after I got gotten home. It was nobody there but me and God. And um, that video has been posted probably 50 times in the last three years. However, God said it's time. It's This is your season. The video didn't just go viral. It went like mega viral on three different platforms. So I'm sure Valencia saw it probably on Shabbat Squares. It's also uh, viral on uh, I'm So Blessed Daily. And then the original video was vi- went viral in my um, opening premiere event page for my stage play. 
So uh, with all the views, I think at the last time we really looked at it, it was like 27 million views of this one particular video. Um, but I'm going back to the gratitude list. And so um, what happens is um, is that for um, since I've been home from prison, I haven't felt hopeless, let me tell you that, because there's something about sitting in prison um, wondering um, – uh, if you kill someone, wondering will you spend the rest of your life there uh, that will motivate you. <laughs> so I was in a lot of emotional pain in prison. And I'm telling you, sometimes pain is even a motivator, you know. And so, um, but it says when you feel hopeless or discouraged, write a gratitude list. Write the things that, that you're grateful for. Because, see, sometimes we get so caught up in one or two things that aren't going right in our lives that we forget about everything else that's going right. We forget about the beauty in our lives. And so the beauty, the most beautiful thing that I experience every day is that, first of all, I woke up this morning. I have an opportunity each day, you know, they, uh, you know and I, I'm, I'm not super religious, but I'm very spiritual. And, and I believe that each day God grants us brand new mercies. And so when I wake up, I have another opportunity. If I didn't do, get it done the day before, if I, you know, I have another opportunity today just because I woke up. So um, I always, uh, whenever I feel hopeless or, or I'm, I'm, I'm worried or anxious or, or things like that, I always write a gratitude list because I need to remember, you know, how good God has been to me. I need to remember um, how, how far I've come, you know. And so um, another thing I have is write down your immediate, short-term, long-term goals, you know, and I know a lot of people write their goals, but also write your plan to accomplish them, you know. So if you uh, notice, I have a, um, not only do I have the Pink Elephant book, the, the original version and the institutional version, I also have a companion workbook. And one of the things in the workbook that I do is it breaks it down uh, as far as your goals, you know, short-term, long-term, immediate, um, and how to plan how to, how to make a plan to, to accomplish each one of those things that you have on those goals. And so, you know, it gives you space to write, and it's, it's like a journal. It's a companion to the pink elephant. Uh, and so uh, I'm very goal-oriented. And, um, and, and, and it is so funny because that's the thing that has um, helped me to accomplish so much. Um, I write a list every day of what I need to do. Um, I prioritize my list. And so the neat thing is that once I'm done with something, I'll check it off. Anything that I didn't finish, I don't, I don't fret about it because it wasn't a priority. If my priorities are taken care of, I'll just put it on the next day. And so that's how I get so much accomplished. Um, and then the, the, another bullet point I have is, is about time. Um, and I'm still talking about motivation, the, the, the reasons why I should. <laughs> so time is a valuable uh, resource. You know, and, and we have to plan each day by accordingly and by priority. Um, and so at the end of the day, I'll revisit the list. And, uh, but one thing I do want to tell you that's so important about the list is that you have to be on it. You have to be on it. Um, one of the things that I learned, um, and, and this is one of the reasons why I kept losing my children, believe it or not, is because I made my children the center of my universe. I, I felt like, uh, they could keep me clean. I, I got to get my kids back. I got to get clean just so that I can get my kids back. And I, I would get them back and, 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 and in my heart. If I, if I would have taken a lie detector test, I would have passed. Because in my heart, I truly wanted my children back. But um, I couldn't stay clean and I couldn't, want, I couldn't figure out why. Well, because if I'm okay, nothing around me is going to be okay. So it's really important to take care of yourself. 
So what I had to do was learn to love me, learn to take care of myself. And then as a result, they're automatically taken care of. Um, and then so the last thing that I have for motivation um, is, um, <clears throat> is the tracking. So I track my progress and I tr- track my success. Um, and a lot of people, that may not motivate some people, but what, what's motivating, see, anytime I, I learn something new, it's, it's a form of motivation for me, uh, even if I didn't, even if I made some mistakes. So I'll give you an example. I, um, I sell, you know, I do a lot of vendor events because I'm, I sell my books. And so what I'll do is I'll start off and I'll, I'll you know, have inventory. This is how many books I have. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the event, I'll count my books and say, okay, this is how many books I sold. Well, why didn't I sell more? Did I speak to people? Did I, you know, did I, you know, pass out information? Was I allowed to talk about my product? What, you know, what happened where I was successful or not so successful? And each event got better. So I need to tell you that um, as a result of me tracking, uh, as, me, uh, as me trying different uh, things, uh, last month alone on Amazon, I sold over 10,000 books. So that, again, is, um, is, 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 is huge. Um, so that's my spiel on motivation. But, again, I just want to reiterate that motivation um, can come from different forms. And there's different forms. of yeah, Money motivates me. I need to tell you that. Money has motivated me. And it's so funny because I always thought money motivated me so that I could have me taking care of, which, which of course it does. But why money also motivates me is because then I can do more for others. Um, somewhere along the line, I realized that I've always been this giver. I've always been a giver, um, but I just always gave to the wrong, not even to the wrong people, but for the wrong reasons. Um, but one of the things that I, I've, I've soon learned is that if God made you a giver, he will always Make sure you have something to give. So even when I talk about the books that I sold last month, it really put me in a different tax bracket. But that money is going to be refunneled through a nonprofit that I have. Because, I, you know, I'm waiting on my 501c3. I'm waiting on some grants. But I'm, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go ahead and put it back out there because I already understand how it works. God made me a giver. He's going to always make sure I'm, I'm okay. So money is a motivator. But, again, pain. Pain is a motivator for me. See, I never want to feel the way I felt the night I stabbed that lady. I never, again, want to feel that way. So everything that I need to do to avoid feeling that way, that means I do not drink. Now, because I'm a spoken word artist, I am in some venues that do have alcohol in them, but I don't drink. I don't want to drink, <laughs> you know. And one of the things that I found out about drinking and, and the pot smoking and trying to legalize all that, one of the things that I realized about even that, even if I could, even if I wasn't an addict, what I understand about vices is that they prevent me from living up to my full potential. So today I am operating at full potential, and that is my spill on motivation. So if anybody has a question, um, I would be more than happy to take some. Wow, that's all I could say. That's a mouthful, right? I, I, feel, I feel like Kevin Hart. I, I wasn't ready. <laughs> like I, I knew, and then I didn't know at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure 
Okay, let me gather my senses because you <laughs> rocked the first day. Yay, I, that's all I could say. Um, well, you okay, know, the, yeah. the, the video is only five minutes. It can only tell so much. So, it's a, I that, you know, know. And, and I need to tell you, even the book, even the play, these are these are, are avenues for me to tell my story, but they can only tell so much. So each platform I stand on, something else comes out. So that's what I love about um, doing various talk shows, blog shows, uh, um, blog talk radio, uh, actual radio. It, those are the, that, that's why I love different platforms is because I get to tell and share more of me. Wow. Well, I'm going to see if I'll open the lines up if anyone has a question. I believe you could press star six if I could get to the right part. Um, Let me see. I'll just open the lines up. That'll be easier. I'll just unmute everybody, make it easy. If anybody has a question, comment, words of encouragement, if TT's story, and I call her TT like I've been knowing her for years, but it just and that's what I want you to call me. <laughs> <laughs> it just seemed natural. Um, if anybody has a question, comment, or anything, uh, please go ahead and just announce your name first, if you don't mind, or if you don't want to, you don't have to. Hello. Anybody has anything? You know what? I do. Hi, Valencia. Hey, how are you? Hey, Shanae. Hi, TT. Hi. <laughs> God bless you. I just thank had you. more of a, uh, a well, I just wanted to say thank you um, for using your gift, for, for, for using what the, the enemy meant for evil for good. Mm. And yes. um, to hear you, this is my second time hearing you speak, and you're right. On different platforms, you will get something else. And I heard a different side of you today and each time it just it, it 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 shows God. And so each time you get a chance to share your story, more of the goodness of God comes out. And you know you hear I can just hear what people are saying, well how is this so? And it's only been this amount of years. It's been three years, it's been this amount of time and and in this season we know you know, we know God is doing something suddenly. Mm-hmm. And and it's happening very quickly. And it's not the mm-hmm. timing that 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 the world prepares you for what someone may mm-hmm. have been prepared for for years. This is a God thing, and so Absolutely. to see you where you're at, to hear the many accomplishments, I know that God is with you, and um, you know I will definitely keep you in my prayers. And I just want to say God thank bless you, you and so thank much. you for boldly, boldly sharing your story and not being ashamed. And that, and that's what it's about. So many times we don't want to tell where we come from because of how people look at us, but you've Mm -hmm. taken your past and what the enemy meant for good, and you're using it in a way that it's a positive way. It glorifies God Mm -hmm. and not ashamed of it. So um, thank you for that. And I just pray the more and more that you go forth, that there will be people healed and delivered by your truth. Amen. Amen. And and, and I, I thank you so much. And I thank you for, for also for keeping up with me and listening to me on, on different platforms. But I do it just in response to what you just said about God's timing. And that, that is so 
accurate. Um, one of the things that, um, you know, when you're, when you're preparing a business, you know, I do, Google is my best friend. I need to tell y'all that Google is my, is my, is, is just a really good resource for me. And so one of the things that I did is I researched when I, when I began to be self-employed and I had to be, I had an aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Mm. Jobs were not falling out of the sky for me. And because of my criminal past, I wasn't eligible for welfare. So I've always, and it's always been a catch 22 in my life. So at this point, with the aggravated assault, it was, they were definitely out. So I had to um, become self-employed. And I remember when I um, when I Googled and I learned a lot about, you know, they said, okay, well, within five to seven years, you know, you'll start to see this, you'll start to see that. And so I prepared for, for to be uh, seven years before I really peaked and before I, you know, I began to see the, the, the residuals from my, my effort. And I need to tell you that um, two weeks before 2016 left. You know, everybody was posting, you know, as the new year was, you know, approaching, everybody was posting these memes, you know, in 2016, God's going to do something wonderful. I posted my video December 16th, and I'm telling you, within two weeks, my life changed completely. I'm telling you, this is the first time in my adult life that I'm not worried about how my rent's going to be paid. And I need to tell you that that is so, so important to me because I've always been in that catch-22. I've never gotten low-income housing, I, and I couldn't get the jobs to actually pay rent. Was, I was always hustling, and I was always, you know, living on the right. edge. And, and today I can sit back comfortably and work and, and, and do what God would have me to do. And, and it, it's because he said so. It's because it, it was his timing, you know. And, and what I learned in that, and I have a meme that says that, you know, God's time is not man's time. He can bless you anytime he get ready, you know, and and that's exactly what happened. And so I'm glad you said that because you are so right about that. And thank you so much for your prayers, and you will be in mind as well. I want you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, also, T.T. Shanae, which is uh, someone who I've grown to know, like you said, 2016 has just been amazing, and it's just getting started. But uh Shanae is someone very personal to me, and, you know, and I love her voice, number one. You got to love <laughs> a voice like that. But mm-hmm. Shanae will actually be one of the speakers during this week, um, Wednesday. Awesome. And uh, it's funny that you talked about, um, you know, the shift in your life and the change in your life. But it started with you being obedient, and that's something that Shanae could tell you. We talk about obedience all the time, and I just know the difference um, even with my own personal story when I had to step outside of myself. And, you know, and I've told, shared this with her and different people is I had to stop worrying about what people think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't like my story or like me, then guess what? It's not for you. So when I got outside of that part, then things just started happening so fast. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm just, I'm being obedient. And you almost wish like, okay, I wish I could rewind time and start Mm -hmm. being obedient sooner. But there are certain lessons you have to learn in being disobedient. (laughs) Like, you know, like your kids, you know, they have to learn through disobedience how to be obedient sometimes. So um, I just wanted to, to share that, that part that Shanae is, um, she's very awesome. 
is no oh. awesome is my 2016 word. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so in, anybody else would like to have um, make have a question, a comment, um, a word, or anything? I do encourage you to to speak up. Hey, that must be. I already know who that is. <laughs> hey, hey. I just, I just had a comment for um, TT. Um, and I, I guess just basically going off of you also, Valencia, with the obedience. Um, because obedience is definitely better than sacrifice, as we mm-hmm. all know. And I'm just so, you know, grateful because I, you know, for one, try to tell women, you know, not only women, but men also to share your story because there's somebody waiting to hear that story. Somebody that needs that story is waiting on the other side for somebody. Um, You know, and it's not all the time that we show up like we're supposed to show up. So I'm just, you know, so grateful and so honored to be on this call today and to actually, you know, hear Titi's story, which is phenomenal, Um, you know, because so many times I've seen you know, like this happened to other people, and they, you know, kind of sit and wallow in, you know, what's not happening, you know, nobody won't give me a job now because I have this record and, you know, um, so on. But I'm just so grateful that, you know, T.T. has stepped out in obedience to God, mm-hmm. first of all, to yes. live the purpose that he has, you know, called her to live. So, Absolutely. you know, I'm of course, going to continue to, you know, keep you in my prayer also. And I'm just, I mean, I, I've been blessed, blessed tonight, tonight by um, your story. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and honored to, you know, have been a part. Look, my voice almost gone. It's been a long week. But, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's all I, I, I really wanted to say. I'm just, you know, grateful for, Really, you know, everybody um, obedient, um, you know, to Amen. just forward and do what God has called to do. So that's all I wanted to say, ladies. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for that. You know, and I just want to also say that, you know, a lot of the story, you know, <laughs> and it's so funny because I, I've often asked God, why me, God? Why me? You know, um, several things have happened in my life, and, you know, I am able to to talk about those things, and and I know that for years, like you said, so many people wallow in it, and for years I wallowed. Um, And and like I said, it just took that one incident where I almost, you know, took someone's life. And and, and what I realized the most, the the, the thing that I really realized is that it wouldn't be one life life lost, it would be two, you know, because I somebody and once I when when that came out of my mouth I'm somebody too I I begin to 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 realize that I didn't have much love for myself and so but I need to tell you that um since I've been home and this happened about uh, maybe six months it happened September uh 13th as a matter of fact I will never forget it 10 p.m I was uh it was the day that I did my casting call the last day of auditions for my play, we made our selections. I had already had my production team, which my director and my musical director, I already had those people in place. But on the way, leaving from the, 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 
the casting call, um, I got into a, a very near fatal car accident. I had my my daughter and my three grandbabies were uh, strapped in the back, and we flipped. My car flipped. Um, we were ejected. My daughter and I were ejected through the sunroof. I had 32, 32 broken bones. My jaw was broken in three places. That's why my teeth are chipped and cracked, and, you know, I, I couldn't walk. I had to learn how to walk all over again. And I'm talking about this just a few months ago. Um, but uh, and the car rolled over on me. A 6,000-pound car rolled over on me, and um, that's how I acquired all the broken bones. My, we were flown out by a helicopter uh, to two different hospitals, me and my daughter, it listed in critical care. We were both woke in ICU. But I'm telling you, I, I don't mean to get emotional, and I, I can't wait till I can get to the right. point where I don't get emotional anymore, but I'm just telling you that God is so real. Um, and, and, and another thing about the wallow, see, a lot of times we wallow about our circumstances, and we don't even realize that those circumstances are preparing us for something, too. You know, yeah, our stories are for somebody, but sometimes this story is for me because had I not experienced all the violence in my addiction, all the fighting the tricks and getting thrown out of cars and getting my purse snatched, and you know, I, w- I probably wouldn't have made it. See, God prepared me for this a long time ago, you know, because I remember I used to say, God, why me? Why am I going through this? This ain't what I want, you know? But like you said, the enemy will 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 try to use it for my bad, but God will always use it for my good. So even though the enemy thought he had something back then, it hmm. it, it was it was probably the thing that kept me that that going this time. And so uh, you know, in the hospital though, and, and it reminds me of Job because when Job, when everything was stripped away from Job, and his friends told him, "Oh, just curse God and die," you know, you know. And but 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 the devil asked asked God's permission. And God said, Yeah, you could you can do this, but but you can't you can't kill him. And and that's the way I felt. Um and, and I believe because God knew what Job was gonna do. God knew that Job would not curse him. God knew that Job was gonna continue to pray and, and, and to and to bless him. And and that's exactly what I did. So while I was in the hospital it, it learning how to walk, couldn't walk, uh the first thing when I opened my eyes I asked for my laptop. I wrote two books. I wrote two books. I got two books about to be published. Uh, and and I, I, I journeyed, I, I chronicalized my journey. So I took off the wig. Uh, you know, I'd have no eyelashes. I, the, the, everything that you see me in the, the pure, pure natural raw, you saw, I, I, it's all on Facebook. If you go down my timeline, you'll see it. You'll see videos of me so I can barely talk. But I'm telling you, God, I'll be okay, guys. I'm coming back, you know. And, and today I, I, I'm, I'm back, you know, and there's nothing but a loving God. So, so all of that goes with motivation. You know, it's just, you know, I, you know. Sometimes we gotta, you know. There's a song that says, "Encourage yourself." Sometimes you gotta encourage yourself. You know, and so I'm just really grateful, man. I'm just so grateful that uh, that I am, you know, blessed to, to to be here on Earth, and I'm blessed to be on this call as well. Because what what I love about about these these type of platforms is that we get to transfer energy. You know, we get to transfer this 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 loving. Uh, power uh, amongst each other. And so I'm just really grateful. And Valencia, I just want to tell you, honey, I have, you know, I do this. I've written all the way down your timeline. (laughs) (laughs) So I have seen your journey too. And it's been a beautiful thing to watch, you know. Um, And so I just need to tell you that um, you are also uh, called 
you know, the, the, the word says that many are called, but few are chosen. So not only are you called, you are chosen. And, and I just, I, I'm so grateful that you are being obedient. And I think that it is all how, it's funny how obedience will connect us. You know, mm-hmm. it, will, it will connect us according to his purpose. And so I'm really grateful for that as well. Now you're about to have me um, tearing up. And you know, uh, you know, with eyelashes and uh, tears and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but wow, thank you so much. And um, I, I do the same thing. Like when I connect with people, I go down their timeline to see, number one, if they're authentic. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, mm-hmm. in these days, so many, um, you know, like you said, we're being called and being chosen. So many people say they are called and they're not. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. many people say they're chosen and they're not. And you mm-hmm. you see that. And my thing mm-hmm. is with, with being authentic and being transparent and, um, because everything I say, the sword that I live and who I am, past, present, and future is is very much represented, whether you know me from Facebook or Instagram or whatever, whether you meet me in person. Absolutely. If you're always (laughs) you, you never have to worry about, okay, well, what version of me did you see? So I know how to be, so I'm always me. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's good. That's so good. And, you know, and that is so good. And you're you're so right. And one of the things that, you know, I tell people all the time, so the pink elephant, um, it, it's derived from a term um, that counselors and, and, and professionals use. Uh, they say it's the pink elephant in the middle of the room, meaning there's something going on that everyone can obviously see, but no one is acknowledging. Well, I chose that title for my book because, you know, and, and what it says is there's a pink elephant in the middle of the ghetto too. Um, you know, we all see it. You know, you, you know how big an elephant is? And honesty, mm-hmm. you know, you got to see it. And so and what I've done is I've, I've kind of called it out. Uh, I did that when I wrote my book. I called it out. I told it just like it happened. And like I said, as a result, they wouldn't even let my book in prison. However, you know, I, I, I found a way, and I stayed on the phone with the head of the Department of Corrections uh, for about a week until we got the book where it was accepted because I didn't want to change the story. The story is the story and it doesn't change. Uh, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to find a better way to tell it. And so I did do that. But, it, it, you know, go, talking about Facebook, if you go down my timeline, you'll see exactly who I am. I am the right. pink elephant lady. I'm going to say the things that everybody probably wants to say, but nobody's willing to say it. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it goes back to the pink elephant. I went to a women empowerment group. Um, not too long ago, maybe about five months ago, and they were talking about, well, you know, it's a black women in business type of deal, and everybody was saying, well, you know, we don't know who the black businesses are, so I think this is perfect, and, you know, this and that, and everybody got, and then when it came to my turn, I said, okay, I got to call the pink elephant out. I think we all know who the black businesses are, uh, but we, we want to we want hookups from black businesses. Right. You know, but right. we'll go to another another nationality's uh, store and we'll spend our money and, and, and we'll tip them. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I, I called that out. And so I am that the person, you know, the person that you see, you know, I, I try to remain her. I don't want to fall off of a pedestal, so I don't want to pretend to be something that I'm not. You know, and I tell people right. all the time, you know, I love God. I love God. God loves me. You know, um, 
but I don't consider myself religious. I, I feel like religion is, is, is dogma. It's something that people hide behind because they're scared to go to hell. I call myself right. spiritual because I've already been there. <laughs> you know, I feel like I have lived through hell. And so, uh, honestly, um, I think it's about the relationship that you have with God and Jesus and, 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 and who, who your personal Savior is. And that happens to be mine. <laughs> so, I, I, so. I 100% um, agree uh, with so much stuff you said, but especially it's so much power in that last statement because I tell people for years I went to church. I went to church to be to because somebody told me I had to. Mm-hmm, I went to church mm-hmm. and um, went to sleep and hoped some, my grandmother or somebody else had peppermints or some chips. Um, I went to church and, you know, I went to church and and watched, you know, my grandmother and her friends or other people that spent so much time at church talk about other people who didn't come Mm -hmm. to church dressed properly. And I didn't want to be part of that. And I tell people it wasn't until I got out of church as a building and religion as a as a class or religion as something I had to do, when I was able to get away with what people told me I had to do and then I was able to start really a relationship with God, and it wasn't until I had that relationship with God that I found me. Because you will never find yourself if you think you're going to find yourself in church. It's not going to happen, you know. But we go through the yeah, formalities, <laughs> and, and we think we're doing right going to, you know, the big hat churches, and no offense to anybody that goes to one, but I don't want – to go anywhere that I feel like people are looking down on me. And then, um, you know, growing up and, you know, with the way my mom was with her, you know, uh, issues and her fights that she eventually lost with drugs, you know, but here it is. I have family that's so rooted in a church where the church should have came and did a, did something. <laughs> so, I, I mean, Ooh, but, girl, you, know, like you have a about that, back, girl. girl, let me turn the heater <laughs> off in this house. You know, so, so I tell yeah. people, and I've had people ask me directly because I've been called, um, you know, a, a woman of God and different, mm-hmm. and, you know, different terminologies like that. And I'll tell people in a minute, my relationship with God is deeper than any pastor on TV, I promise. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because of the simple Absolutely. fact, my, my word, the way I live my life, those prayers I said to my son in my belly had nothing to do with the church. Right. It had to right. do, look, I'm about to get in my feelings right now, but it had, you know, <laughs> it had to do it when I said, okay, God, look, I thought I knew you because other people said I should do this, this, and this, right. but I need to right. feel you at this moment that I'm feeling lost. Yeah, because there's yes. no amount of peppermint, sweet, big hats, um, wow. you know, called going to the altar. None of that has been there for me. So I need something right now, <laughs> girl. Yes. yes, somebody needs to hashtag <laughs> preach. And then when you yes. said about you know the, and I was going to ask you about the pink elephant. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you that, and I was like, okay, well, I, um, I was 99% sure that that's what it meant, but I'm glad mm-hmm. you called it out because so many times you could see things going wrong, but because in the black community, mm-hmm. and I'll say it because the national the national black anthem, <laughs> correct, is um, what goes we, on that's in not this my house. business, correct, that's not my business, it's going uh, in this uh, house, better stay in this house, uh, and it's not fair. And some yeah. of uh, some of the ladies on the call that know me and um you know 
I've talked about being molested by a man that I refuse to call uncle. I call him my mama's brother, my grandmother's child. Uh-huh, and I remember, uh-huh. you know, telling that, and, you know, and even now as an adult, because now when he comes around the family gatherings, and I won't go. But, you know, I've been told, well, girl, that was so long ago, get over it. I'm, I'm right. sorry where they do that at. Right, right. You know, and it's, but, you know, I felt so much power being able to call it out and take my stand. So that's my pink elephant right in the middle right. of that rouge. <laughs> Girl, I had a moment. But, you know, like, that's what I loved about you, that, that transparency. And even in writing your story, and I, as I debate on going on writing the story of my life, I said it, the thing that held me back because I, w- I was worried about offending people. But, see, right. this is the thing. If you're offended, it's because you know you're guilty. Right. So and, you know, and the funny framework. thing is, mm-hmm. I, I want to tell you that I had two attorneys walk me through writing my book. Um, because wow. I had a petty family. I have a petty family, you know, mm-hmm. and some of them we I knew would be, right. And so, uh, but what I did was I did change the names in the book, and I switched certain circumstances. Uh, I mean, the story is the story, but, like, if it was, if it happened to a, a, a cousin, I said it was a, a, a brother, or, you know, I kind of switched around right. some circumstances, but, but it actually happened. Um, and, and like you're right, they knew who the book was about. So as a result, when my book was first published, they disowned me for about three months. They nobody talked to me. They were all mad. I mean, you have to go down back back into 2014 to look at my timeline, and you will see I had Facebook war with them. And I ended up finally saying that, look, if your story is different than my story, then write your own book. You know, I'm telling my story. I didn't wake up in a crack house. Something, I got there somehow, you know, and I told the story, and that story just talks about how I got there, how I got out. I will encourage you guys to to, to get the book. Uh, And I'm not just saying it because it's my book. Uh, I'm saying it because of the results that I've I've gotten from it. If you go on Amazon and read the reviews, they will, you will see, uh, I probably have nine negative ones, and I'll probably, and and they're negative on, on, you know, they didn't like that that I used uh, when I talked about, um, I know one of the things that that why didn't you just say a nice man helped you? Why did you have to say a white man helped you? You know, and I told him, no, I wrote the book just like that because that's the way I thought back then, and that's that I wanted people on all levels to understand it. And one of the things is there are some grammatical errors in there, um, but I wanted to to be as true uh, to who I am as as, as possible. But uh, I, I will guarantee you that everyone that reads that book, they read it within one or two days. It's never I've never said, oh, I'm still reading your book. No, if you look, the common theme on it, I could and put it down, which is what led me to write urban fiction. So I would encourage you ladies to um, to get the book if you don't have, you know, if you don't have it or if you've never read it, it's on Kindle. I, I especially priced the original version for two ninety nine, um, so that as many people could read it as, as, as needed uh, or as wanted to. And I hope it does touch you in some type of way. Um, I, I want to just talk, touch a little bit on this uh, real quick, everyone, before we have to get off. And it was the um, the oh, fact look, of it's the my mental- line. We're good. <laughs> the, the mental illness aspect. Well, I have another appointment. That's all I'm saying. I got oh, an 8 okay. o'clock that I got to make, and I'm so sorry because I'm so caught up. But I do want to say this, and I, I, what I have to do is go pick up the office furniture um, that someone has donated um, to my nonprofit. Uh, we just got our building, um, and so our building is 2,400 square feet. It has about seven offices and a huge conference room so that we can have our parent support meetings, and, you know, that's a whole another God thing there, but 
you know, because I've been operating out of my bedroom for the last three years, and now God has expanded my uh, territory. So I'm really excited about that. But um, I wanted to touch on the mental illness aspect just a little bit because it's another thing. It's another pink elephant. You know, I remember uh, growing up and I had an uncle who was legally mentally ill or clinically mental, mentally ill, but because our my family refused to acknowledge it. Um, they, they said he was sick. They, they did say he was sick, but they treated it like it was a common cold or something like, oh, go near him because he's sick. You know, mm. no, he, he, he has a mental condition, and he needs help for his mental condition, but they never, they just locked him in a room and we took his trays. It was that type of thing. And so um, I say that to say that um, I did experience that I'm diagnosed clinically with bipolar disorder, it won, okay, level one, um, with schizoaffective disorder. And whenever you mix psychotropic drugs with street drugs, it, it enhances everything. So uh, at one point, I was literally, literally insane. Uh, and when I tell you I, I hallucinated, uh, people's faces turned into devils right in front of me. And, you know, and it got to the wow. point where people would say, girl, I don't care how much dope you got. You can't get high here, you know. And, and it, got, it got to that point. But um, what I what I want to tell you is that um, I remember one day I had to just stick a stake in the ground, and I said, okay, God, I don't know what's real anymore, but I'm just going to have to trust and believe in you. And like you said, um, Valencia, there was, there was no one there but me and God at that time. There was no church. There was no pastor. There was no sisters with the handkerchiefs. There was, there was, no, there was nobody but me and God, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, that is my personal relationship with him. And so um, that's. That's where that's where I stand uh, today. I, I do take care of my mental health, um, and one of the things that I, I once I really got into taking care of myself, I really found out the core of it was that the fact that I was raised in a preacher's home, but every night someone got molested. So that was a battle of good and evil, and it created this spiritual warfare within me. You know, like what's good, wow. what's evil. Well, what's evil? Well, if the preachers do, if it's happened in the preacher's house, how can I be? You know, so it was just really an amazing journey to to discover that. And and and, and see, this is the thing: you can't fix what you don't admit, and, and you can't admit what you don't know is there. So, you know, it, it, it all plays hand in hand. So I'm just really grateful, man, that, that everything has happened just like it was supposed to happen. And I tell people, everybody says, you know, well, everything happens for a reason. Not, not only does everything happen for a reason, it happens just like it's supposed to happen. Because if it wasn't supposed to happen, then guess what? It would not be happening. You know, right. and everybody, well, no, because we got freedom of, we got a free will. And we got, well, okay, well, who controls the choices? God. There's only one God. He controls the choices. <laughs> so, so still, you know, my, my, my sponsor tells me all the time, you can come willingly or you can get drugged. But in the end, wow. God is going to have his way anyway. So that is my spiel of motivation, ladies. And I do have to go pick up this furniture because I got, like, uh, somebody with a truck, and then I got somebody that's going right. to move it. So <laughs> we're going to head out and, and, and go pick up this furniture. But I, I want to just say again, Valencia, thank you so much. Um, for having me. Thank you for, for listening, ladies, and thank you for, for your continued uh, uh, energy that I feel on this call. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. I know you got to run. Uh, thank you for your time. I will be inboxing you, and I definitely will be making a trip to see the play. Okay. I can't and wait. Just, I can't wait. Yeah, we're going we're to inbox about that later. <laughs> so uh, okay. pick up your furniture, enjoy your new office, 
thanks, peace, and love, and much success. And I, we are definitely going to keep in touch to where you might have to block me on Facebook. <laughs> no, I won't. You know, no, I, I won't. <laughs> All right. Okay, ladies. So goodbye. Bye, Kiki. <laughs> Thank you, everyone that's been on the call. Please um, use the Facebook group to inbox or put anything um, you want to comment-wise about the call. I'll make sure TT's information to purchase a book and everything gets posted. Um, thanks again. I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place, with another powerful evening, and you guys have a great night. And hang up myself.